Hey, I'm Phil. Thanks for checking out this message today. We're glad you're here and we would love to get connected with you and your family. So one easy way that you can do that is to text River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and some upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount that you want to give to 84321 or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. So one of the things, like, uh, I'm a bit of a scholarly guy. Uh, I, I'm a nerd. I like reading books. I, I, I like that deep Bible study. So if anybody kind of ever sees my office, if you can come into my office sometime and you don't see a commentary, a book, I've either done one of two things. I've cleaned my office recently or there, there's something wrong and I took all the books home. Like I'll go home with books in my backpack. I, I take multiple books. But I love studying the Word of God. It's not something to prop me up and I'll get to actually talking about righteousness in a little bit. But I love the Word of God. Um, one of my things that's been really fun for me is uh, Kathy has been challenging herself uh, to read the Word of God. And uh, I realized really quick in our marriage, it doesn't do well for me to study the Word of God with my wife because then I turn into, like, pastor, preacher, and annoying mode. Like, so I'm like, I frustrate her, I frustrate myself, but, like, I, I study the Word of God, but it's been fun for me that my wife is jumping in the Word of God. And then we just have conversations. Uh, we, we've been trying to make sure that we study the Word of God with our kids so I had a conversation with Zeke uh, the other day where he, he's trying to wrestle through, like, heaven and hell. He's wrestling through the realities of the afterlife. But he keeps saying, but when we die, we go to heaven. I was like, well, we don't really die. Like, we go and, like, we die and then we live. And he's like, but no, but you die. And I'm like, but no, when we go to heaven, we live. And he's like, but we, we die first. And, like, just going through that with a six-year-old, though, life is found in Jesus. Life is found in eternity if we know Christ. But for me... I, I love studying the Word of God. And when I preach, that, that, that's kind of like the center of what I like to make sure I do. I, I pray if, if there's one thing uh, as me as a pastor, if, if I put 20, 30 years, whatever it is, uh, being a minister, if people can leave and be like, you know, the one thing that Ryan kept saying was read your Bible, read your Bible, read the Word of God, read your Bible. If, that, if that's the one thing I can get out, again, hopefully you know Jesus. Uh, but the reality is if I, if I taught and I could instill a passion for the Word of God, the word of God will leave you to Jesus. The word of God will fix your life. The word of God will fix your marriage. The word of God will, will help you with your kids. At the end of the day, I could say a thousand things. If I can say that one thing, read your Bible. Read your Bible, read your Bible. So when I preach, especially in these sermons like this, I like being able to like kind of take my time and teach through it and build it. So I'm very, very strategic while I do this. So for us, we're going to land on a lot of things in Matthew chapter 6 that have to do with one of two things. One, how we are with our walks with God. So for the first part of kind of this sermon series, we're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about fasting. We're going to talk about giving. Those are kind of like how we interact with God. But then we're going to kind of talk about some things uh, later in the month. We're going to talk about things that have to do with like our interaction with the world. So just to kind of give you a heads up, a base level, kind of build in some stuff as we go. The next couple weeks, again, we're going to talk about giving today. We're going to talk about how we are obedient to the Lord in giving. We're going to talk about the Lord's prayer and how we pray and how we commune with God. And we're going to talk about fasting. These are all things that the man, humanity, has to kind of go through to figure out how is it that my relationship is going with God. 
but for us to just kind of like get us caught up to everything. Uh, where we've got, come from is we, we talked about the, the Beatitudes. And if you remember this from, if this, this strikes some sort of like core memory and we have like an inside out moment, uh, if you remember the kingdom normatives, we talked about the blessed be the meek, blessed be the, the righteous, blessed be those who are persecuted. We talked about those are the kingdom normatives of what it looks like for somebody who is living for God. And if you're like, I remember that. Not because of me, not because of anything. It's praise God that God put, put a truth in your heart. Uh, but last year we were talking a lot about like man's interaction with the law. And we were talking about divorce and lust and anger. And we were talking about like this is what the law is saying. But Jesus kept saying, but I say to you, uh, it's, a, it's a proper teaching. It's a, it's a more complete teaching. It's a, it's a teaching that has to go through Jesus to get to the applicational point. But for us, we ended last year on a really, really heavy verse. And if you've got your Bibles, I want to go to Matthew chapter 5 before we jump into Matthew chapter 6. But the verse that ends Matthew chapter 5, and it's a, don't stop at chapters, keep reading, make sure you don't like, oh, it's the end of the chapter, it's the end of the heading. No, like, keep reading, you'll see, like, complete thoughts. Uh, but Jesus says, you, therefore, must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Anybody shrink up a little bit there? <gasps> That's the standard. This is, this, this is out of the mouth of Jesus. Uh, we trust that this is, this is recorded properly, this is preserved properly, this is in the word of God, so it's infallible, it's truth. But we see, if anybody, therefore you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. But Jesus is teaching us the Pharisees and my men. You, you can live right in front of God by your own power, by your own abilities, by your own willpower. So when it's don't lust, don't lust, err. Don't be angry. Or, like again, like I'm going to dig in and I'm going to make sure that I don't sin. I don't know if you've ever tried that in your walk with God. How well does that work? It doesn't. I, I, I think if we're trying to be honest with ourselves, when we try to live perfectly in our own power, in our own abilities, in our own might, I, I, I pray that you've already come to the point in the realization that you know you can't. If you're here and you're still trying to do that, I'm going to give you a heads up and this is a free tip. You're never going to be able to. For us to live perfect as our heavenly father was perfect, even on your best day, you will always come up infinitely short. But this is what Jesus set up. This is what he ends with. Hey, you got to be perfect. So for us, this is the beauty of where we're kind of going the next week. So is living perfectly impossible? Yes, I, 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 want, I, want to, I want to start with that right now. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And this isn't to shame you. This isn't to point fingers at you. I'm here. They give me the mic. I get to declare it. But man, we, we, we're all falling from Jesus. Nobody can live perfectly in the sight of God. Why? Well, it was because of one man sin under the world. This is, this is where we live. But for us, so, so should we give up and not even try to practice godly living in our life? Well, if we can't hold to that standard, let's just give it up. No. And I think this is that, that, that one thing, like throwing the baby out with the bathwater mentality. Well, well, since I can't be perfect, why bother even trying? Just sin, sin, sin. Jesus is grace and Jesus is love and Jesus will forgive me, so I just don't care. That, that, that's not what Jesus is advocating here. But he's setting a standard here. He's setting a standard that our standard needs to be to be able to walk in front of God upright, righteous, and perfect like him. 
Now, now through all of chapter 6, we're, we're going to be looking at how a Christian truly does live in the presence of the God, in presence of God, and lives in the presence of being able to stand upright in front of God. Just to give you a hint, like I, I, you're going to have to go through Jesus to get there. Uh, the, one of my favorite things, the backdrop of all of Scripture points to the fact that we all need a Savior. So when we read stuff, Jesus, especially during the Sermon on the Mount, like he's able to like just like pinpoint that exact sin that is something that we all struggle with. He lands on it. He knows what he's talking about. He's the great high priest. He, he understands us. But for us to start looking at stuff like, be perfect, Jesus doesn't say, be perfect in your own might. Eventually what he's going to do is he pulls everything to himself. Yeah, you can't live righteous. You can't be perfect. But I can. And this is the beauty of the gospel. It's not about what you can do. It's not about your abilities. It's not about your skill set. It's about do you have trust, do you have faith in the one who died for you? So this week, uh, we're going to land on kind of like a very specific one. So when Jesus sets the standard, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Uh, This verse is so important because the next statement out of Jesus' mouth shows that he knows exactly where our heart is. So hey, be perfect. What is our first reaction if someone says, hey, you need to be perfect? So you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. But he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. So what's Jesus saying? Like, hey, you need to be perfect. Just like your heavenly father is perfect. But if you're going to be doing that, make sure nobody sees you. What? But how, how, how do I show people that I'm doing that? How do I show people that I'm a standard? This, this is crazy. Be holy. Be perfect. Live in a manner that shows your upright standing with God. Show that you got it down. Show that you understand who Jesus is, but don't practice it in a manner that flaunts it to others. Take a second and take that in. You, you want to be able to show that you're doing good, but you, you can't show anybody that you're doing good. Real talk, do you, do you like having recognition for a job well done? Everybody does. Everybody does. Everybody loves being able to be told by their spouse, hey, good job. People like being able to be told by their kids, hey, good job, mommy, good job, mommy, daddy, like, I uh, love you. People like being able to be told this by their boss. Uh, we live in, a, again, a, a Christian circle that, again, it says, again, encourage one another. So to love, man, you're doing great. I love what you're doing. Do you like being recognized? Yeah. Now, if you're here and you're like, I hate being recognized, then you're sick and twisted like me and you do the thing where like you actually don't want any of the attention, but in your heart, the only reason why you don't want any of the attention is because you don't actually know how to deal with kindness and you don't know how to deal with words of affirmation. So you're like, I don't don't want any of that. And secretly, you're like, please, I just need somebody to tell me I've done good. I got daddy issues too, so welcome to the club. Um, but like, we, we, we sit here, and again, we, we live in this world. We, we turn around and either like, uh, we want recognition, or we have that weird pseudo, like, I, I want to reject recognition, when deep down you, you know you do. It, this is the hard thing. Like, I, I don't want people to say, hey, Ryan, you're doing a good job being a pastor. But there's times I'm like, am I doing a good job being a pastor? Can somebody just say that? But then when someone turns around, like, Ryan, dude, I just I love you. Like, ah, no. Welcome to the world that we live in inside of our heart. 
is the battle that wages on inside of us. So when Jesus says, be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect, but make sure that you're not practicing it in front of people. The reality is we are all people who want recognition. This is how God designed us. Uh, The reason is because, again, we are created as beings of worship. God created us to know him to worship him, to delight in him, and to go to him and be like, you are holy, you are righteous, you are amazing. And our our entire focus of life is meant to be glorifying the Father, glorifying our created God. But what is the reality? Sin has come into our life. So once sin comes into our life, that, 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 that we're the perfect standard is to give God all the praise Sin gets into our heart, and when the serpent deceived Eve, so you could be like God, takes that apple, bites it, Adam bites it, again, whatever it is, but then the heart at that moment with humanity was we're created to be worship beings, now wants that worship for ourselves. So this is that struggle that we have because of sin. It makes the human heart full of self, self-preservation, self-glorification, and self-gratification. So what was the, the heart initially when God created Adam and Eve and in the garden before sin came in? All the praise, all the honor, all the worship, all the recognition went to God. And then for everybody else in humanity, because Adam and Eve were the first and they sinned, for everybody else... We're stuck with this where we no longer actually want to share that worship with our created Father. We want it for ourselves. And Jesus just bullseyes this on man's heart. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. But you think you're going to do that? You think you're going to show that? You're going to think you got it? But, man, you need to beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So how often are you guilty of this? This is kind of that like introspective self-awareness moment. Uh, you're trying to show that you're living for Jesus. You're actually trying to get your own fame. Man, I know the right words to say. I know that Christian jargon. I read a theology book once. You, you, that, that's, that's why you're doing it? You're trying to show these things. Maybe you're trying to show that, again, you're devout, but like all you're doing it is just to get a bunch of likes on Facebook. Well, here's my coffee. Here's my Bible and my highlighters. Instagram posts, love my world with Jesus right now. And then you're yelling at your kids and, shut up, I need the light. Like, you're like How's that devout? You're not doing it because you're trying to show that Jesus is the center. You're, you're doing it because you're trying to get likes. Uh, maybe you know how to say the right things or you know how to condemn the wrong things. It's actually not even necessarily for a way to glorify the Father. It's just to get in an argument with somebody on Facebook. This is a reality here, and I think Jesus like pins man's heart directly where it needs to be. So this is where we go. Like, oh, so, so I just shouldn't show Jesus in my life. By no means. I think this is that baby with the bathwater thing. So, so what you're saying is Jesus is saying, beware. So I just shouldn't do anything. That, that, he's not saying don't do anything. Jesus puts a beware here. Beware of practicing your righteousness before people in order so that they may see you. Uh, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. I, I don't think Jesus is advocating the lack thereof righteous living. He's not advocating just live the way you want. He's advocating beware that your intent 
if your intent is to be seen, that's what he's be wearing. Because I also don't think Jesus is saying, hey, go live as a hermit. And go live alone. Go, go buy a farm in the middle of nowhere where the only people you see is you. Like that, that's not what he's advocating either. But he's advocating, hey, you need to beware of practicing your righteousness. Practicing your righteous living with your glory at the end. Because the reality is for us, we need to live in a life where like our glory, again, that, that struggle that we've been in since Adam and Eve, we, we live in a way to reflect God. We want to give him glory. We want to give him props. We want to be able to show the cross. We want to be able to show his love. We don't want people looking at us. So the beware isn't don't show anything. His beware is, hey, how are you living? What's your intent? Why are you actually doing this? So this one kind of hit me this week. So as a leader, I lead a team. Like, I, I like telling stories how to like, connect leadership principles to like, hey, you're going through this. I've seen this and this has happened to me. Here's some thoughts behind it. Well, I was like telling these this week. Like, yeah, I felt like I was like, am I just trying to reflect the good old days in my life and show that I got it under control? Or am I actually like generally trying to give like Jesus the props? Jesus gave me the ability to go through this situation. Jesus gave me the ability to learn from this situation. And hey, young guy at ministry, I, I think you should learn from this. I'm like, am I just self-absorbed? Am I a narcissist? Am I out for my own glory, my own renown, my own name? Or is it to push everybody to see Jesus? So for me, do, do I make much, and this is a little bit of a John Piper thought, but do I make much of God? Or do I just like the fact that God makes much of me? Well, God uses me. <laughs> it's not about me. It's about him. His power, his, his, his authorship, his, his ability to put us in places where we can be used. And what hit me really hard this week was Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. And we talked about this like kind of last year. But he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others. That's the Jesus not advocating us living like hermits. So let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Like that's that core. So how do you live? How are you showing God? How, what, is your, what is your intent? What is your intent for putting your hands up for worship? What is your intent when you come to a Bible study? What is your intent when you speak? What is your intent when you pray? What is your intent when you give? What is your intent when you serve? Is it you? Or is it showing that God is God? But specifically for us, Jesus goes into then, first little, how do we live for God? He goes into a very, very specific one. He goes into giving. And this is where I think it gets really hard. I said this a little bit at the Connection class. Giving sometimes can feel like the most self-absorbed, self-fulfilling thing for a pastor to talk about. Do location pastors, do pastors in general, people leading the flock, really need to see the obedience of the Lord and their people when it comes to the area of giving. Yes. Uh, there's a biblical aspect where, again, I, uh, the pastor puts their time and energy into the spiritual and the eternal. And, again, by, by doing that and putting all their focus there, people who have earthly material help the pastor make sure that he can exist. A.K.A., I'm going to focus on praying for you, making sure there's a sermon every week, preparing messages, and making sure you can grow in your walk with God. You're going to make sure my family has a roof over its head. It's a very, very simple way of looking at it. Now, do you give to me? No, we give to God. But that, 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 the basicness of giving. 
This is a hard one to talk about. Because ah, that's just for his own good. I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I don't get a raise whether or not the tithe is up or the tithe is down. But you need to know giving is a very essential step in your obedience to Christ. I don't want to undersell it, but in the same right, if it's like, oh, it's self-fulfilling. I've already put myself before the Lord, and I hate sermons like this, but in the same right, I'm not afraid to preach the Bible. But Jesus goes into this. Are you practicing righteousness? Are you practicing righteous living? But he goes again, verse 2 in Matthew 6. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Thus I say to you, they have received their reward. So a few things to take note on here. One, it says, when you give, not if you give. If we're already struggling with obedience, that's the first aspect of righteous living for the God. Because we have to start living for God in an attempt to live righteous before we even can start talking about the the when we do. So notice it's, it's when you, not if you. Giving, generosity, taking care of the less fortunate has always been a factor that is inside of God's people. Take care of the, again, the, 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 the foreigner. Give extra. Well, it's 10%. Actually, if you read the Bible, it's closer to 33%, but we'll leave it at 10% because it makes it easier to understand. But also we know that grace abounds more than the law. But generosity has always been an aspect linked to God's people. Why? Because God is a God who gives to the needy. Take a wild guess. Are you needy? Do you need God? What does God always do? He gives himself to you. He gave himself to you by sending his son to die on the cross. Why is it important for us as God's people to be people of generosity? Because it reflects the character of God. So this is one of those things where Jesus is talking to those who are trying to live spiritual. He's not saying, if you give. It was such a matter of fact as a righteousness of living for God back in Jesus' time that people gave. You didn't have to fight people. You didn't have to argue with people. You don't have to give 15,000 ways to give. You don't have to get up and be like, oh, I'm so sorry, and, and be meek about it and drag your feet. Be like, I know, I'm not trying to be self-absorbed. I'm not trying to be this. Like, you just gave. That was the culture Jesus lived in. Uh, there's stories in the Bible where, again, like God's people are like, hey, we need all the gold. We need to build this stuff. And like, they had to tell God's people to stop giving. That's the exact opposite of our culture nowadays. But when Jesus says, hey, like, it, when you give, why do we give? We, we give because it's an obedient point. It shows the, the character of God. It shows that money doesn't have that final say in us. It shows that we trust Jesus even when the, the, the books don't balance, but we trust that God's going to do something amazing. So when Jesus says, again, when you give, it, it's an opportunity to show somebody who's less fortunate God. And even the reality, notice he's not saying give to the temple. The reality is it's, they've already given to the temple. They've already, they, they've already stood in front of God doing what they need to do. This is now just going above and beyond. This is when they see the opportunity to be generous. So they've already made sure that they, they, they've stepped in and they're, they're, they're living for God properly. Now they're just being generous. Oh, goodness gracious, if the church started talking about being overly generous with after being obedient to God in the first place. But this is a heavy hit because I know the recession we're in. I know the budget we're in. I know jobs are tight. I know money's tight. I, I get that. 
But for us, we got, we got to look at this. Am I being obedient? If you're not being obedient, you got to start right there. But if you are being obedient, this is where Jesus continues. Notice the picture that Jesus is painting here. If you're actually being obedient, and again, it's when you, if you're stuck in the if you, start not being in the if you, but when you're in the when you, what does Jesus say? He's like, don't sound the trumpet. Imagine that if we had a trumpet by the giving box in the back, like, like, somebody gave. Yeah, like, it'd be obnoxious. Be the worst thing ever. Also, I would never give, because again, I don't want that attention. But he says, don't blow the trumpet. Don't be doing it when people are around you. If self-glory is your real, until they may be praised by others. If self-glorification is at the moment, like, hey man, I sounded the trumpet. Hey everybody, I'm about to do something nice. Here's a 20 spot, buddy. See you later. Like, what would you think of somebody doing that? You see a homeless person on the side of the road, you're already obedient with the Lord, and you got a 20, you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. You would look at that person, and you'd say they're a fraud. That's what Jesus even says, sound no trumpets before you as the hypocrites. Hypocrites literally means actors. If you're trying to be an actor in your walk with God, I already give you a heads up, God already knows you're acting. You might be fooling people, Great job. That's your reward. But look at this, though. Uh, Giving is not meant to be this encouragement, celebration of a job well done for us. Jesus here is targeting people who turn their act of righteousness into a worship gathering for themselves. I did good. Band, hit it. Imagine if you walked around thinking about that again. Kathy and the band follow behind you and be like, oh, here comes the keys. I did something good. The point of a worship gathering, the point why we're here is not you, it's not me, it's all be the praise to him. We connect because we want to grow with him, but Jesus is calling us out. Like, you're going to bring in sound, you're going to bring in people, and you're going to talk about God. Is the glory going to God or is the glory going to you? Does God make much of me or do I make much of God? Jesus lands here. And I think the saddest reality of this beware, though, is when you take this idea of truly I say to you that they have received their rewards, and you take Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, and he says, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The saddest thing is that sometimes we want that reward to show people how good we're doing, and we literally rob the opportunity to be able to show how great of a God our God is. Like, we, we, we want the reward. We want people, oh my gosh, Ryan's got it together. Ryan's doing good things. Ryan can't save. Ryan can't change a life. Ryan can't alter somebody's eternal destiny. But God can. And when we live in a way that wants to reflect our piety, our righteousness, we rob people the opportunity to show how real God is, to be able to show how peaceful God is, to be able to show people that they, in fact, can grow close to God. Why is it that I cannot stand hypocrisy? Because it robs people with the ability to see a real God who really saved them. But we got to look at this. Is our worship song that we sing, I did this? Or is it Jesus did this? 
is that Jesus allowed me to do this. Jesus gave me the skill, the energy, the blessing, the extra to be able to reflect his goodness, his character, his love, his mercy, his faith that God, and I'm going to freely show that. What worship song do you sing with your life? How is your light doing? Because I'm looking at this, how could any of us who truly understand the reward, the blessing, and the relationship that we have with God, how could we ever want to sing the song, I did this? I did the thing. I checked the box off. If you're like, oof. Yeah, when I was sitting reading this, I did the same thing. Because the hardest aspect of this truth is we have to look at our lives and we got to pray God gives us a heart that is so in love with him that our chief motive in life should be to live in a manner that shows that we know God. In our lives, our actions reflect knowing God as the truest and most desired reward for us. It's not about giving. It's not about the praying. It's not about the fasting. It's not about the serving. We do these things because we show that God truly changed our hearts. We truly went from death, separation, enmity of God, to being his chosen priesthood, to being his children, to being his reflection to a broken world. And again, when you look at this, this is what the hypocrites do. So this is what the actors do. We got to come to a reality. It's like, do you want to actually live for God and do you want to show God and do you want to be like playing in the game? You don't want to be on the bench. You don't want to be in the crowds. Like, man, I want to be playing in the game where I'm used by God where people come up to me and I'm able to evangelize to them and tell them about how good Christ is. That's the game. That's what we want to play. Or do you just want to look like the player? The Monday morning quarterback, so to speak. Can't wait to get in the game. You want to get in the game? No. Man, you're a big talk, though. Let's get to the reality, and let's get really, really real, though. Maybe the button here, if the, the, the when you is giving... But maybe it's not. Maybe it is prayer. Maybe it is serving. Maybe it's reading your Bible. Maybe it's your church attendance. I don't know what it is. So giving to the specific Jesus is going at. But the real talk is, again, maybe you're showing righteousness might not be given. Maybe you're faithful there. I, I don't know. That's, that's not for me to know, and I don't know. I have no running tally of what anybody gives ever, and I will make sure as long as I'm a pastor, I never know. But maybe your righteousness isn't in that giving thing. Maybe it's somewhere else. But is your when you motivated for God's glory? Or is your when you motivated for your glory? When Jesus says in Matthew 5, see your good, make sure that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father. How do we get to a place, though, to discern whether or not we are focused on God focused on ourselves. I kind of landed on something interesting just keeping going in the thing. Matthew chapter 6 verse 3 it says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So I love that Jesus is remedying the solution here. He's going at the heart. He's making sure, hey, you need to make sure that there's so much secrecy. You're not doing it to be seen. You're not doing it to be noticed. Make sure the motive is clean. But the thing I really like that Jesus landed on is verse 4. 
Make sure that we're living in a way that we're given such secrets, again, that nobody can see what we're doing. Ever notice if something is done well and something is fixed, you never realize it's fixed? I'll give you a heads up. If you've ever come to church and had to question whether or not there'd be a sermon ready to go, then you know something's working well. It's secret. You don't, you don't know what I'm doing on a Monday through Sunday. You don't know Gary prepping stuff for the kids. You don't know what the band is doing when they're preparing and practicing and changing keys. And I don't know anything about music, but you get where I'm going. If something is working well, you never realize it's working. It's done in secret. And you show up and you get to enjoy it. But for us, that's how our giving should be. It's just done well. It's not meant to be anything. It's just, we're just going to do this right. But if we live in a way that we're giving specifically, or any, any type of righteousness. Hey, this is how I'm living righteously. If we, if we do this with such secret that nobody knows I'm doing this for the Lord, except, and I love this, Matthew 6, so that your giving may be in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. That's where I got kind of goosebumps in this moment. I'm not for hermit-like Christianity. I'm not for somebody uprooting. I don't believe that, because Jesus says, go be the light of the world. The world is broken. The world is lost. The world needs to see that we have a real Savior. I'm not there. But if you push into the motive of your heart, is your heart okay with just being seen by your Father? Think about that for a second. Are you okay if nobody ever I never see it. Your wife, your spouse, they never see it. Your kids never see it. Now, again, should we practice righteousness so we're showing our light to people? Yes. I hope my kids see me pray. I hope my kids see me read the Bible. I hope my kids see me minister. But I'm not doing it so my kids can see me. I don't preach every week so my wife can be like, hi, you're proud of me. Like, I'm not doing that. Are you okay with the only person who sees you doing right for the Lord is the Lord himself? This is where I got goosebumps. Because every person has to come to a point in their life and determine their relationship with God. And every person has to come to a point where they have to choose between his glory or our own. And sadly, some like reflecting and they want to show themselves. Some people will just outright reject God. Breaks my heart. Some people will be like, it's all about me. Okay, he'll break you at some point. But I'm talking about the person who's trying to live for God. person who's struggling to live for God. person who keeps putting themselves in front. But the greatest measuring stick of a hypocritical heart is, is our heart okay with just being seen by God? When your heart is okay, with your father as the only one to see it, But look what happens when your father is the only one to see it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. For us, we got to come to this realization. And the the, the goosebump moment for me is I'm reading this and I'm looking at this and I'm reading this over. We have the ability to show people the cross. Or in everything that we do, we take the glory of the cross, we take it to ourselves. For me, I don't want anybody to ever show up to a gathering if I ever have a microphone to not hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. But for us, when we live in a way, again, is your heart okay with just being seen by you? 
The reality is God has already seen you. And God has already looked at you. God knew you from the beginning of the foundations of the formation of the universe and said, they're going to be my child. We already want God to see us. And because God sees us, God has already sent his son to be able to show the entire world that he loves us. But our motive should not be anything more than that since God first sees us and God took care to make sure that we always can see us. That is the core of what our motivation should be. Now, is it cool if somebody comes up to you and says, good job? Yeah. Someone says, hey, I I, I saw you praying for something. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Should you commend somebody if you see them right living? I believe the church should. Oh, we want to praise God first, but in the same right. You see somebody at the door and they made you feel special, they made you feel welcome, they made you feel loved, they reflected Jesus to you. You want to encourage them for that? It's great. It's fine. We should encourage each other. But for me, like the, the, the heart intent here, when I was looking at this, if everything is working right, our light ought to reflect his light. And if we're living in a way that our measuring stick is away from hypocrisy and we genuinely want to live the real part, the only thing that we care about, the only reward we care about is the fact that Christ died for us. And then in everything we do after that is we get to reflect that realness. We get to reflect that truth. So I don't know where you're at in your walk with God. I don't know if you know him. I don't know if you think you know him. I don't know if you're like quasi dating him, just trying to figure out who he is and trying to like figure out like, how, how much money you got? What you do for a living? Like, I, I don't know where you're at with your walk with God. But if you're here and you genuinely don't know Christ, if, if you're in that, if I do, now when I do, if you're here and you're like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saturated in self-glorification. I don't know how to live for anyone other than myself. If you're here and you don't know the gospel, today's the day. You've got to realize that what God can do with you, God can use you to be able to reflect his goodness, his love through you to other people. You have the ability to literally be used by God to change people's eternal destiny. And it's not because of what you do. But when your intent is, you know what, I'm just going to let God. When our focus is shining his light, what he can do with that is insane. But for some of us, maybe you're here and your light ain't working quite right. You're living and you know you know Jesus and you confess and I'm part of the church and I've been baptized and all the things that make you a Christian. But you know you live more in the if you do than when you do. It's time to start living the the, the when. I'm going to trust God enough to actually do. I'm going to trust God to put myself in a situation where I'm going to be obedient. Like I don't know it. I don't know the money. I don't know the consequence. I don't know what tomorrow is, but I trust you. Maybe you got to make that jump. Because that jump of faith between, again, when you versus if, if you is the most instrumental thing you possibly can do in your walk with God. You want to be able to show God, you can't have second reservations from living for God. Because if you're like, hey, should I read the Bible with my kid? No, I hope if, no, when. I should pray with my wife. It's not if I pray with my wife, it's when I pray with my wife. It's not if I should serve, it's when I serve. It's not if I can give, it's when I give. You want to start seeing God in a real way and you want to see, start seeing God reflect in an amazing way in your life, you got to make that jump. But the big hit, if your heart has lost its sight on your relationship with God, 
that you're trying to make it about you. You're trying to make, you're trying to let God make much of you instead of making much of God. This is the moment. You got to look at your heart. You got to be able to look at your walk with God. You got to be able to look at the cross and you got to be able to like, I need you. And please bind my wandering heart to you and bind my heart to your word. And Lord, please don't allow me to ever try to take the glory from you. Because when we live in a way that is focusing on his glory, his renown, his way, I'm not trying to promise you a Maserati. I'm not trying to say everything will go away. Your anxiety will disappear. And man, don't worry, your bank account, your foreign. I'm not any of that stuff. Nothing from the temporary will be there. Maybe some, but maybe not. But the eternal, the fact that eternally you'll be able to know the Lord in such a deeper way when you stop trying to focus on you and you start focusing on him. So church, kind of gear up. We're going to be talking about how our righteous living looks. This is the first one. I barely hit the giving thing. Next couple weeks, we're going to talk about how we talk with God, how we can know him better. But the first thing that we got to know is, are we truly living for him? If you're here today and you don't know the gospel, you don't know the cross, it's all foolishness to you. Don't leave here not knowing. If you need to come up and you got to pray to God and say, I'm sorry for what I've done with everything, altars here, you can find God in your seat. But as we're gearing up for the next couple weeks, let's make sure that our righteousness reflects the righteousness of the one who gave his life for us.